I don't want to, I don't we don't no now's not the so, time to talk so about it. So he's gone from not being in it. But there to will be flashbacks, it. but I don't think they'll be they'll be using new material from James. Anyway, we're gonna move on to question time now. Okay. Who's leading us off with question time? <laughs> we're hoping you would tell us that. It's you. We went through the itinerary. I'm at number two. Oh shit, you're right. <laughs> I was going to say, could have sworn he was at number two. Oh, shit. We worked on this. Seriously, this took about five minutes to figure out before. So, anyway, question number one, Fab, is to you. Oh. Seamless. Seamless. We'll edit that out. The Premier League obviously kicked off at the weekend. We've all seen uh, the first round of fixtures. Is the Europa League Manchester United's best chance of winning passage to next season's Champions League? Unfortunately, it probably is. But I am against putting all our eggs in the Europa League basket because it is a very hard competition to win. Now, we should be one of the best teams in it, but it is, it's still difficult. Long European nights, you know, you, you end up playing in like, you know, the far reaches like of Eastern Romania Europe. and shit like that. And it's just... I, I Personally, I don't want us to be really participating in it anyway. I'd be playing the kids and focusing on the top four, but... I want to win it. It's probably our best. I'd like if look if we're going to be serious about it, I'd like to win it, but I'd rather just Do you feel like Fergie it, never respected the competition? Do you feel like the competition or our participation in the competition will reach a certain point where if we're still in it, then, then we, we take it, it seriously. Yes, yes. And it is, like I said, it's our we have more chance winning the Europa than finishing top four, I think. But I despise the competition so much that I'd rather not focus on it whatsoever. I despise the early parts of the competition. I'd rather win the League Cup than the Europa League. Oh, no, nah, forget that. Come on. It's just me. It's just I'd rather win the Milk Cup, the Littlewoods Cup, the Carling Cup. Anything else that's been called? Uh, the Carabao Cup. It's now called the Carabao the Cup. Coca-Cola Cup. <laughs> it's been like the Ansett Cup. It's had more sponsors than winners. Um, I Yeah, look, I, I understand the sentiment, but if we can get to a position where we're in it, go for it. Try to win it. Yep. Because... Just at the moment, I feel like that's the back door back to the big table. Well, we've done that before. We've we've done that before. And, yeah, I think that history may repeat itself. You done on that one, Fab? Is that enough for you? Well, the second question, that's to you. Excellent. Start us off. Um, Given the relatively – the fizz out towards the back end of the – or the closing of the the transfer window Mm -hmm. or the Premier League transfer window, Mm -hmm. are agents ruining football? Yes. Next question to Tim. No, the, uh, <laughs> no. I think it is. Look, look. We we spoke about it on the text, and I hate what they've made the game. I just hate what they've turned the game into. That they're basically human traffickers, and and now more than ever, you see, you know, Pablo Dybala's deal break down because some third party owns his image rights, and we don't know what they're worth, and he can't get the move he wants, or he can't get the move the other clubs want. We see guys like Mino Ayola and Jorge Mendes in particular, and there are others. Those are the two probably prime. You know, figures at the moment in the game, just basically haul their players out to whoever will pay them the most. Not necessarily who's best for the player. We'll use Bruno Fernandez as an example. I didn't know a whole lot about Bruno Fernandez prior to the transfer window. Mm-hmm. All I knew was that he was linked to Manchester United. So Jorge Mendes basically plays a game from late last season that links his player to Manchester United with the aim to either agitate a move to Manchester United to get United interested, fans interested, fans talking, that goes on the club, or to alert other clubs, oh, Manchester United's interested in this guy. He must be all right. He must be okay. So what happens is Bruno Fernandes ends up going nowhere. And if you saw him and you alerted me to the footage, he was of the impression he was moving. Yeah. 
He the gave f- he gave a farewell. So he was applause in, to the crowd yeah. in his, one of the preseason games, thinking, "I'm out the door. This is my goodbye." Mm. And then it became, "Oh no, it's going to be." After, <laughs> came back in on Monday. <laughs> then it became, "Oh no, it's going to be after the Portuguese Super Cup. Would be his last game, whatever." And as it turns out, it's all just Mendes manipulating the media behind the scenes. Yep. And you sit there and you go, "He creates a cycle whereby, in the press at least, United open negotiations. Oh, United deal hit snag, back on sign next week, closing in." Deal to be finalised, and then all of a pending sudden, a medical, pending a medical, and it's all these these watermarks you hit. All these until the deal gets done or it doesn't, and in this case, it doesn't get done. And the guy rumours once again was that Mendes was in London on deadline day trying to get a deal done somewhere. Yeah. So you look at it and go, all the talk for all the window is he's moving, he's moving, he's moving, and you go, well, clearly nothing was done at all at any point. And we spoke about it just just lastly in that. Clearly, the influence they have is driven by money and driven by a want to feather their own nest. FIFA need to better regulate agents. And agent fees. Oh, that's the big one. Like, it just ran, like, apart from what you read. Well, Mina, was it Mina Raiola got, was it 15 million euros? Well, that's what that's what they wanted for the Dybala transfer. This is, the, this is so you pay Juventus for the player and then the agent wants X dollars for doing the deal. And then you've got to not, pay your player. Not a clip. He doesn't. He doesn't, to pay your, the he doesn't get a percentage of the deal for brokering the deal. He wants it above and beyond. It should just be two percent payable by the buying club. That's yeah. what I reckon too. And and, it's, and it, it doesn't matter. And then it's in your interest to go for a big fee because yeah. you make more money. Like every other agent in every other sport in the world, FIFA need to come down and just seriously just redefine what the. What the parameters the, are? Yeah, what the, the boundaries are around transfer? If you go, you get two percent of your transfer per fee, and you get five percent of the player wage, or and something like and that. Agents will do a rich Paul and crack the shits. And Just go, tough luck. Because these are the rules. And, and that's, then that's closing on this, and that's how you get situations whereby players are just agitating for deals to move. They probably aren't even really interested. Mm. But the agent goes, "We'll move him because that's how I get paid." Because I engineer a move that's going to get me 10 million euros. Yeah. It's disgusting. Could, could there be destabilising. And, and as Fab said, it was a fizzer of a, of a transfer window, partly because all the rumour and innuendo was fabricated. Yeah. Behind and, the scenes. And, and you refused to go hard on um, hated it. the rumours last week anyway. Absolutely. F- probably for that very reason. No, and it was and quite justified. It was a poor window for everyone. Spurs didn't really strengthen. You got David Lewis. But it's part, that's part of the reason, you, Fab. You, you brought in David Lewis to strengthen your defence. Jesus. That's, that's part how of the, bad our defence is. That's part of the problem, isn't it? Because clubs sit down and say, we're going to negotiate for and secure a deal for player A, and we've got X dollars to spend. And then they sit there and go, it's not as simple as doing that. Because now we've got to pay the agent. We've got to pay this. We've got to buy his image rights to a sold to someone else. We've got to do that. We've got to. It's so convoluted mm. that they sit there and go, it's so difficult to get something done. That's why Yulve just get business done. They just get the best free agent. Yulve? No, Yulve, they're a bit. Juventus. Juventus, or was it uh, Peter Monte Calcio? They're, they're just as bad because they let contracts wind down and then basically pay what would be a nominal fee is a signing bonus. Beautiful. It's disgusting. I don't have to haggle. Timbo, your first question. Geez, that went overtime. Fab's not going to be happy with that. Timbo, Gillan McLaughlin courted controversy this week. Greg McLaughlin. <laughs> <laughs> he said he was going to work that in. Uh, caught a controversy this week with his comments about Stephen Cornelio staying at the GWS. Your thoughts on that? 
Well, I think it stinks for starters. Really? I mean, obviously, he's weighing in on where Canilio is going to end up, and obviously, we're three people that are phenomenally invested in seeing him at Carlton. So, any any move to potentially scuttle the chances of him being with us is is obviously going to we're going to take a dim view on. But when it's coming from a guy who you would think his impartiality to me, is absolutely central to the role that he plays. When you're administering that league, while I completely understand he's, you know, they're really trying to make these expansion clubs work, they understand that they're in a in a um, growing, expanding areas and they can see for the future of the, um, the AFL, you know, Australia-wide model, they need these clubs to succeed. But um, I just can't see how somebody in his position... Um, can publicly state that he would prefer to see Stephen Canilio staying at GWS. No problems with you harbouring those views yourself, but you're just not in a position that warrants going public with it. As far um, as I can recall, he, he didn't comment on Tom Lynch. Well, and this is the thing. You know, Tom Lynch has gone, Stephen May has gone on a club that everybody was, yeah, everybody was looking at what, what it was going to mean to the goal. I mean, at least GWS will remain competitive mm. if he leaves. When the two big names left Gold Coast, they were fucked. You know what? They I, really were. You know what he says though to qualify all him? these statements? Yeah. He says he always says, "Well, as a fan." Yeah. And you sit there going, as you've alluded to, I think he just has to be more switched on to remove himself from the conversation You're altogether. Well, that's right. You're being paid a lot to not be a fan. Yeah. Roger, Roger Goodell is not coming out and saying, and this is what I was going to say. Odell Beckham Jr. shouldn't be going yeah. to Cleveland Browns. Roger Goodell, David Stern in the NBA as well. Like they are, as administrators, they are they are a great figurehead and they try and avoid um, any controversy at all and they're seriously independent of all of the teams. I think the only time that I've ever seen any anything similar to this was when the NBA knocked back the LA Lakers trade for Chris Paul. I was aware of that. And I don't really know I remember that. what the justification was, but at the time I sort of thought, geez, it'd be a great addition. And so long as we're giving what he is mm. worth and commensurate, you know, bring him along. And in the end, not only did we not get him, he ended up going to the LA Clippers, who are our biggest rival. Did the league have some sort of controlling stake in the Hornets at the I time? I just, I, as weird... I said, I, I wrote this down. But and they, I, thought, I remember I, they vetoed it. Yeah, and that's, I, I actually thought I should I should check what it is just to be able to talk um, more intelligibly about it. But um, They've done a reasonable effort. Yeah, thank you. Um, but yeah, the one thing that I keep on thinking is if, if Canelio does end up staying, you'll sit there and going, well, is that Canelio's decision or was... Or, or was you know is there a taint on the transaction that sees him stay? Um, and then the only other thing that I'd say is you know when you when you read about it you know Canilio is paid by the AFL for being a multicultural ambassador. Mm. The kid's Italian. If you're going to get the biggest bang for your buck for don't him get, being oh, a multicultural don't ambassador, a on here. surely it's going to carry greater weight down Ligon Streetway. Surely. So anyway, that's my personal opinion. I'm excited. <laughs> Excellent, excellent. Who's up next? Who got the next question? Well, I think it's me. Excellent. Uh, while we're still on footy and Carlton, Fabian. Um, a lot of talk on Twitter today. I haven't I, seen it, but I've heard it. Yeah, didn't, didn't are you like concerned that um, Carlton seem to be in a position where they've, well, they're yet to offer Dale Thomas a new contract and there's rumour going around that we won't? Yes, I am. Um, I would go as far as to say he should be a priority signing. That's how influential he has been this season to this team. Now, 
we all pray like hell that Sam Doherty comes back and is Sam Doherty. Sam Doherty may never get to where he was it's ever a possibility. again. Ever again. So Daisy is a known commodity at the moment in a young emerging building team. We cannot afford to lose any more senior players who are playing as good a football as Daisy is. Now, I don't know what you need to do, but there are... I'd, I'd get rid of contracted players and pay them out if it's list spot. That doesn't alleviate cap space, though. I don't think cap space is the issue. I think it if might we, be. If we're in cap space worries, then, well, someone's going to lose their job. I think it's, I think it's cap space in so much about acquiring... Matthew Loeb is going to be freeing up a lot of cash. No, would he? But Matthew Loeb is one of the highest paid players Six or seven hundred was what he was on. Matthew fucking Loeb is on $600,000. They offered him a massive deal after they had their purple patch season where he dominated in the finals and he's never acceded to that We're not paying him six hundred grand. That was was the whole thing. That was the whole reason we took on the contract for nothing. No, Port Adelaide are paying some of that. Yeah, but we had to pay 95% of the salary cap and a big part of it was taking on that contract. Surely that's not true. And I think it carries favour with the Port Adelaides of the world and the next time you do a contract, you're going, to pay for their mistakes. No, no, no. We'll just, I mean, Surely we're not paying Matthew Loeb 600 Well, if we have to pay 95% of the salary cap, and that's Fuck. one of the ways in which we've been able to do it, rather than Sorry, overpaying Sorry to hijack. Kids. I'm just fucking mortified. It's, yeah. Fucking Jesus. So, look, we're going back to the original question. Yeah, we need to figure out a way to keep Daisy on this list. My issue is we're going to have, if Daisy goes, if Daisy's not recontracted, we're going to have somewhere in the region of 15-plus players of less value than him. Some chance, yes. On and off the field. But but he will be, what, 32 years of age coming into this season? Well, it's not Logan's run, Tim. No, I know, I know, I know. But like we've made some pretty hard decisions to uh, move on quality players to be able to bring youth in. Is this just you know sort of the next iteration in that to make sure that we remain a, a relevant, competitive, growing, expanding team? Moving on senior players who are of value, moving on senior players who aren't of value, yeah. Moving on players who... Are valuable, are valuable on and no. off the field. God, no. Because no. if it came out that he was being offered a reasonable amount of money to go to the Gold Coast and be a mentor with other kids, bidding it's a different war is story. different. If yeah, it's a bidding, bidding war, if he's, if, if he's asking us to match a contract, yep. he should know the situation we're in. Yep. I don't think that's the case. If we're squeezing him out. This is a bloke out. who was on 700 a year for, what, four years? If, yep. we're, if we're squeezing him out, we've got to find a way to keep him. Tim actually raised an interesting point. I'll put you on the clock here for a minute, Timbo. You got us sweating bullets. You got us worrying with this. Give us, give us your theory. Well, I, I just when we looked through last week of the players that were coming and going, you just sort of thought there's not a lot of guys that are leaving our list through just attrition and you know retiring or being delisted. And I can't help but think, given that we're always got to draft three, so we, anybody else that we're bringing in, and if we're linked to Canilio and Papley and Bonner and a couple of other teams, uh, players rather, we've obviously got to shed players to be able to get them in. Which got me thinking, as we said, who hasn't signed? We're all going. Our most important signature is Caleb Marchbank. And my fear at the moment is, not that I don't think we'll be chasing him and wanting him, you sit there and you're going, is there is there issues that he's a guy that's found injuries in the past? He obviously had a heart issue the season before last that curtailed the end of his season. Um, obviously, it wasn't his fault that he fractured his neck this season, but it's again, it's another concern. And, and and is it just one of those things that the money that we were originally thinking that we would and could have been paying him were either balking at, or is another club chasing him? Is he going to be collateral for us to be able to try and get the players in that we need? Um, and this is and, what I, I said to you off pod. 
we don't need to be trading players to get in <laughs> to get in draft picks or get in um, cap space or trade ba- value. That would we, be a no, worry. I, I agree. That'd the be the a key worry. to this offseason, and Sauce would know this. And, Consolidating. You know, I'm just, Consolidation, absolutely. No, but the key to moving forward this offseason is blowing GWS out the fucking water for Cornelio. Let the AFL give him a compensation pick. Let's not show friends. Let's show business. I don't want to do a Chris Judd where I want to take care of West Coast. Fuck that. Yep. We get Cornelio. AFL can compensate the GWS. We keep our this year and next year's first round picks. Let's get after Tom Papley. Let's get after what we need. We just need to hope that, like, and this is just us sort of sitting there going, March Bank's taking a lot longer than we anticipated to get done. And you start to sort of, your mind wanders and starts to worry, hopefully unnecessarily. But And and this is the thing. I I don't necessarily believe that any of that is the case, Mm. but I'm just, I'm just trying to take a, a level, even-handed view of it and go, look, what is the lay of the land and what potentially could be the impediments as to why this deal hasn't been done? If it gets announced tomorrow, you little beauty, but at the moment I'm I'm just concerned. Hopefully, hopefully. Last question, who's got it? I've got it. Excellent. Sean, a bit of an Ashes type. Oh, good stuff. I like this. Really like but you know me, I'm not going to touch on cricket whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Should they or why don't Australia play England in football, a hell of a lot more than what we currently do? This is an excellent question, Fab. Oh, thank you. It's an excellent question. You know, the, Australia played England in a football soccer match twice in the 21st century. Craven Cottage? Uh, Upton Park. I thought Craven, Craven Cottage. The one at where we beat him 3-1. Craven Cottage. 100%. I'm with him. And I'm not the soccer fan. Look it up for me, you, Timbo. You keep talking. Um, it's an excellent question, and to be brutally honest, given that where Australian football is at just at the moment, it's in a bit of a lull, it's a bit sort of, sort of plateaued, it's a bit, a bit stagnant, I think it would be a vital step for the development of the game in this country to tether ourselves to a rivalry that actually matters. We're not trying to... Um, you know, Japan and Australia are football rivals, but it, it's not really... You sort of go, oh, yeah, okay, we've had some games against one another. And other than that, we don't really have very many rivals in, Australia, in, in soccer. Mm-hmm. England would be a rivalry that the FA get, more importantly, English players get. You think about your big English names in the past and present, they would all get in a rivalry with Australia. They understand it. It means something to them. Timbo, what do you got for us? I'm just waiting for the thing oh, to load. Um, but you look at it and you go, we haven't played them since. I think we played them in 2016 and before them 2003. Upton Park. Yeah, suck on that, dickheads. <laughs> um, but... You sit there and go, for us... I think Eng- we played other teams at Craven. Yes, it's our home away from right home. Too. But like, England, as a rivalry in football... As a f- training venue, I reckon. ...are the well. right fit for us culturally and just contextually. They're, they're a team that are better than us, so we can chase them, we can benchmark against them. Mm-hmm. And it just makes sense to me, particularly if you think about uh, an Ashes summer in Australia, there's an international break in November. So why wouldn't we get them at the MCG? We stopped doing this... I'm not so much worried about bringing them here. What we should be focusing on is playing them there. No, I understand and that. And ever since we've moved to Asia, we've what? given up on a European base. No, no, I understand. But the point I'm trying to make with playing them here as a one-off would simply be if we're playing them in the cricket in Australia, mm-hmm. just tie the two together for that summer and sit there and say to them, cricket team's out, big travelling party of Englishmen are out, play them once or twice. Imagine if you said to him a Harry Kane at the moment, obviously the, probably the biggest 
a profile English player. But if you went to the current English team, I get it would be a hard sell, a bit like the Basketball World Cup for the Americans. But if you said, oh, we're going to have a sold-out MCG. It's got to be able to attract the players. In the it's, middle it's of It's got November, to carry some interest. Go Australia, England, sold-out MCG. There'd be a big travelling English Barmy Army contingent. But like I said, just tether us to a nation that carries some weight in the world game that can actually drive the sport forward and who can, you know, there'll be some games worth watching and they'll mean something to the general public. Maybe, and maybe that could be like a Uruguay because we had a little bit of a history with them for a while. Yeah, that's but gone I, cold. But, but I, yeah, I was going to say, I think it's gone a little bit cold and now that we no longer have to qualify through South America, you know, it's it's because it's not geographically close. So maybe it is Japan, maybe it's... And that's what I mean. Like they're just rivalries that are a bit fabricated and forced, whereas something against England could... Could mean something to you. Don't you're not creating anything. You're not having to build anything. Well, you're as you say, putting if, names if, on a poster. Yeah, if you're if you're a ten year old Harry Kane, while your passion may be football, you're absolutely you know conscious and aware of the Ashes cricket. Well, before um, we before we go on history. to to the next subject here, um, there was a, a very a funny story when Australia beat England at uh, Upton Park. <laughs> not, not Craven not Cottage. Not Craven Cottage, but Upton Park. <laughs> sure, it wasn't Craven Cottage. And they beat him 3-1. And apparently the deal was always interesting enough, Fab, but it was Wayne Rooney's international debut. Wayne Rooney. Wayne Rooney. And anyway, at uh, halftime, Australia lead 2-0. Goals to Popovich and Kuehl, who tore Rio Ferdinand new arsehole. That was wonderful to see. But apparently at halftime, the deal was always uh, like a first 11 in the first half and being a friendly, Sven Goran Eriksson was going to play youngsters in the second half. That was always the plan. Just that's what it was before the game. Got to give our first 11 a run out and then our kids. Apparently at halftime, 2-0 down, players like Beckham and Scholes, Beckham the captain, said, no, 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 we, we want to go back on. Cool. So David Beckham, one of the biggest soccer players in the world, went to the coach and said, no, 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 we have to go back out there because we can't. So give me Vaughan. And give me Vaughan. <laughs> and uh, apparently Sven Goran Eriksson, when asked about the match in the aftermath, said, look, being Swedish, he goes, I didn't understand. Yeah. He goes, yeah. Oh, when we organised the match and we're playing. Where's Australia? Because when we organised the match and we're playing Australia, he goes, that's my fault. He goes, I didn't get it. Yep. He goes, I didn't understand why it meant so much. So there you had these guys. Clearly it means something to them and it's something that we should try to uh, work in the uh, – into the sport a bit more. Uh, we're going to move on now to a bit of AFL, starting, of course, with Carlton. Now, just...